Have you ever had one of those weeks? <laughs> one of those weeks? Um, you're just tired to the point that you dread doing one more thing. And the problem is, however, you have lots of one more things to do before you can crash. In fact, you have many, many things to do. How can we handle those weeks in a way that would please God? I know that's a question that's been on my mind lately. It seems like since we got back from Africa, you're gone for a couple weeks. Now you play catch-up for a couple weeks. And then you start to crash a little bit from being gone and trying to get caught up. The adrenaline finally stops a little bit. And it's all the catch-up. But as I look around, it seems like everyone's... Anyone not tired? Anybody just tired? I mean, yeah. It seems like everyone's just tired. And it seems like just when you think you can't add any more responsibility you say well that's okay you didn't add any somebody added it for you and so you have another big list of things to accomplish and uh, it's been one of those weeks for several weeks now so how can we find the strength to do those things which God has orchestrated for us to do you have to know this one thing as we get into the message this morning is that God makes no mistakes right we know that and God is a sovereign God who can do whatever he wants we know that right and so we also know that because God is sovereign, that he makes no mistakes, he can allow anything he wants into our lives for his own glory, right? We have to have that kind of understanding that God knows what he's doing. And he didn't wake up this morning, scratch his head and say, wow, I didn't know that was going to happen. He knows it, right? We have to be reminded of that daily is that nothing happens by chance. Nothing happens by accident. And if our days are filled with things that we didn't plan, it's probably because he has a plan to do something differently than what we planned. And so we have to be careful with that to make sure that we respond in a way that will be pleasing to him. And I think sometimes, at least I believe, is that sometimes our busyness is created by our own lack of planning. But sometimes it's planned because God has something else for us to do. So if you would this morning, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. We're going to kind of be there. We're actually going to look at four texts this morning, and I promise I won't keep you as long as I did last week. And uh, I heard an amen somewhere. Um, <laughs> Matthew chapter 11, beginning of verse 28, is where I want to start this morning. And uh, how do we respond in a way that would bring glory to God through the busyness, through the tiredness, through the fatigue of doing the things that God has orchestrated for us to do? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of you take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, upon first glance at this text of Scripture, you kind of have the idea that, well, I just have to go to God and He's just going to make everything stop. I mean, if, if we could just turn the switch off and everything would stop and we could take that moment of break and rest, and, but then we come to reality and say that's not reality. The reality is that life is going to go on, that life is going to be busy, that things are going to be difficult, there are going to be things that we don't plan, but how do we respond to them? And then we look at a passage of Scripture and he says, well, come to me and I'll give you, I'll give you rest if you're weary. Well, if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of us are weary. A lot of us are tired from the things that God has orchestrated for us to go through. But the word rest here is not the idea of you all of a sudden get to take a nap, although that would be wonderful at times. Um, I think I've probably been better served taking a nap the last couple Sunday afternoons than watching the Vikings. I'm not saying anything more about them. It's a waste of money. But at any rate, 
I would have probably been better taking a nap. But, but that's not the idea here. The idea is that we don't just get to take a nap just because we're weary. The problem is there is lots of things to do in a given day and a given week. So it's not the idea that you just get to take a nap. It's the idea that God will give you rest from the expectations of man. As I was reading through this and studying this week, there's an idea that there is a rest, but the rest is the wearisome is coming from the stress that mankind is putting on you. I don't know about you, but have you ever felt those expectations placed upon you from others around you? I mean, you have to do this, and you have to do that, and you have to go here, you have to go there, and you, you have to get this done, and then you have to get that done. And pretty soon, there's all kinds of expectations, and they're just mentally wearing you down. See, the Pharisees had put such expectations on man that it was nigh to impossible to fulfill them all. It was exhausting to keep up with everything that was imposed upon the people. And if we're not careful, we get bogged down with things that rob us of our joy. We get bogged down with things that are just pretty soon become busy work. And I'm reminded of what Johnny Hunt said a while back. He said this. He said, often churches get busy doing church work rather than the work of the church. And there's a big difference between two. See, church work can be all kinds of things. But the work of the church is very narrow in what God has for us to do. So let's not get distracted by things that don't really count for eternity. Let's not worry about all the expectations of man. Then Jesus comes along and says, Come to me, all of you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, Listen, look at me. Focus on me for a moment. I know you have all these expectations, but guess what? I don't know about you, but I'm reminded of this, that when I die, I stand before one. Right? And you stand before one. And it's not everyone around you. It's before Jesus Christ. Before God the Father will stand. I wonder if, if we don't sometimes plow forward with a mindset that I can do this, I'm strong, when Jesus is saying, you're heavy laden, you're distracted, I'll give you rest. So it was like the Pharisees couldn't be pleased and those trying were wearing themselves out. I'm reminded of Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, for states, For am I now trying to win the favor of people or God? Or am I still striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be the servant of Christ. You see, when we die, we'll stand before the one, and we cannot please everybody. No matter what we do, we cannot please everybody. So therefore, we won't, what we must strive to do is please the one that matters, which is Jesus Christ. Um, sometimes we get the idea that, well, if I, just, if I just work a little bit harder... If I just, just put a little bit more time in, if I, if I just do a little bit more than, than, than those around me that have these expectations, then they're going to be happy and satisfied. But the bottom line is, I'm not here to please everyone else. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't want to tick anyone else off on purpose, but I'm not really here to please everyone around me. I'm here to please God, right? And so what we do, it has to be with the right heart attitude. In fact, I believe it's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 6, and that says, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but doing the will of God from the heart. That's what God expects of us, is to please Him and do what He's asked us to do with a right heart attitude. So Galatians 1.10 reminds us, am I now trying to win the favor of people? If you're trying to win the favor of people around you, it's going to be a long, hard ride. You've got to work on pleasing God. So that means we need to make sure that we're involved with doing the things that God would have you to be doing, pleasing Him rather than people. It means chasing the applaud of man can be exhausting. And Jesus says, listen to me, just come to me. Just focus on me. Put your attention on me. I'll give you rest. I'll give you the rest that you need. 
Turn over to Isaiah chapter 40. Another passage I want to look at this morning. Isaiah chapter 40. It's a very familiar passage, I'm sure. But Isaiah chapter 40, beginning verse 27, says, Jacob, why do you say, and Israel, why do you assert, my way is hidden from the Lord and my claim is ignored by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? Yahweh is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth, and he never grows faint nor weary. There is no limit to his understanding. He gives strength to the weary and strengthens the powerless. Youths may faint and grow weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Isaiah says here, let me jog your memory just a little bit, verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Don't forget who God is. I don't know about you, but it's really easy to forget sometimes in the hustle and the bustle that we serve an awesome, powerful God. Anybody else ever need that reminder? Because we get so bogged down with the to-do list that we forget what's most important. He says, do you not know? Have you not heard? You need the reminder of how great God is. He gives strength to the weary. He strengthens the powerless. The faint, some of your translations may say. It's idea of those who are fatigued. Figuratively, it means that they're exhausted. They're weary. And let me just remind you that God's Word tells us, don't be weary in well-doing. He says, in due season you'll reap if you faint not. There is a point to what God has for us to do. And again, let me remind you, everyone is weak sometimes. We learn that from verse 31. He says, or verse 30, Youths may faint and grow weary, and young men stumble and fall. Even the youth faint and grow weary. And this kind of thought came to my mind is, if the youth in all their youthfulness and strength and grow weary, what does that say about all of us who are not 25 anymore? Life is tiresome at times, isn't it? And we realize the older we get, we can't go like we once did. He says, even the youth need the reminder that you can't just keep going. There are times that you need to just stop and refocus. Stop and draw close to God. Stop and just be reminded of how great God is. And where our strength comes from. There's a point at which all of us need rest. And Isaiah reminds us how to get it. And we find that in verse 31. He says, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. And then he gives us three pictures here. Number one, he says, they'll soar on wings as eagles. Uh, for our 24th wedding anniversary, Don and I went camping for a night. And on the way home, we stopped at, at the reservoir uh, on Interstate 90, uh, where the big eagle is. And I'm just reminded of that. We took a picture underneath it. We stuck it on Facebook. And uh, it was really cool because this big eagle with the arms are overspread over us. It was really cool. But if you ever take a moment just to look through the, those, I don't know, they're not binoculars, the, the telescope, whatever, you see just how massive those eagles are. Have you ever sat and watched those? I mean, think about it. They're massive. You're talking about a five or six foot wingspan. And he says, they will soar on wings as eagles. Eagles are strong. They're powerful. They can swoop down and climb to the highest of heights. And he says, you can sit back and rest. 
you can ride on their wings. I don't get that in my mind because in my mind is like eagles, like and I'm really big and heavy, and it's just like God's bigger, right? He's huge. He says they will run and not grow weary. I'm just telling you, I hated running in high school. I hated it. We used to have what we called the route. We went down the back, out the back door of our church, down over the bridge, through the neighborhood, cut back over through this uh, big park over here, and then back around. I hated running. Oh my goodness, I hated it. My only goal was not to give up. My only goal was not to come in last. I hated running. In fact, I was pretty much secure in the fact that I would not be last because I had another friend. I didn't do this, but Jeff Crisman. He used to hide water bottles the night before practice along the way so you could grab water along the way of the scenic route. I'm just telling you, I hated running. I hated jogging. I think, I think that's just worthless time and energy spent. Just saying, that's my opinion. Now, I played fullback in soccer, played a little bit of goalie, played basketball. But jogging, just to jog, that's pointless. Just saying. He says, but you'll run. And not grow weary. I don't really fully understand that, but I know this, that God will give us the strength to do what he calls us to do. And it says they'll walk and not faint. I'm into walking. I can do that one. But imagine this morning, or I imagine this morning, there are people in this room along with their families that have many problems. Some I'm aware of, but likely there are some that I'm not. I was thinking through this. For some, there is a current political climate that makes many of us uneasy. Is that true? I mean, do you love seeing what you're seeing on the news, what you're hearing on the radio, what you're... makes us uneasy. There are problems with cancer or possible cancers. News is news that we've gotten from various people going through those struggles. Problems with heart disease or other diseases. Problems associated with growing older. Problems with sick and aging parents or spouses. Problems with finances and worry if there's going to be enough to survive in our retirement years. Misunderstandings between friends and family that weigh on you. Issues of unforgiveness over things done years ago. People who have no self-esteem or low self-esteem struggling with just getting through each day. People who suffer from guilt from things done in the past. There are some who have cheated, have lied, been unfaithful in some way. In fact, it would not surprise me if this morning someone's marriage is in trouble or someone that you know and love, their marriage is in trouble. It would not surprise me if somebody here this morning has a drug or alcohol problem or someone very close to you has a drug or alcohol problem. And teenagers and college students face temptations, worries, and fears that think sometimes we as adults have no clue of because even though things are the same as the past yet things are different some of the very things that we struggle with they're struggling with but yet there's different nuances different perspectives and personally we often struggle over our inability to do what we know we should do and not do what we shouldn't do we can be overwhelmed by the needs that we know of and even more hidden needs and we begin to think of things that seem to be impossible. And many times we do not have these problems ourselves, but we know loved ones and friends that do. 
parents are distraught over the actions of their children. And it's easy to be worried, concerned, frustrated over our own problems and the problems of others, especially when they are people we love. And we go through these times of struggle and we're just weighed down by it, burdened by it, weary of the discussions over them. Sometimes we get totally distracted and overwhelmed with all these things. Sometimes even to the point of sickness. I've met people like that, just trying to deal with it, day in and day out. And back in our text in verse 27, and this is why he says in verse 28, but look at verse 27 again, Isaiah 40. It says, Jacob, why do you say? And Israel, why do you assert? Just, just stop right there for a minute. He goes, why are you saying this? And why are you trying to imply that my way is hidden from the Lord and my claim is ignored by my God. He says, why do you act as though God doesn't know what's going on? God knows exactly what's going on. He knows every aspect of our lives. He knows the very things that, we're don't, that we don't even know yet. He knows. He goes, Jacob, why do you say it? And Israel, why do you... It's, it's like you're proclaiming that God doesn't know and He's just ignoring you on purpose. And it reminds him in verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard that Yahweh is an everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth? He never grows faint or weary. There is no limit to His understanding. He knows. He knows everything. And even if you wanted to try hide something from Him, He knows that too. And that's why he says, in everything that's taken place in your life, in every aspect, you need to refocus. I know you're tired. I know you're weary. But you want strength? Here's the key, verse 31. But those who, what's the word? What is it? Trust. Trust. Say it with me. Trust. Say it again. Trust. Do we trust God? That He's making no mistakes? That He knows exactly what He's doing? That when this thing happens, that's an unplanned circumstance in our life, it's not unplanned in His. He knows what He's doing. And as I've said many times over the last several years, when those things happen, it's usually for a very specific reason. He's getting our attention. He's trying to get us focused back on Him. He's trying to work in a circumstance that would ultimately bring glory to himself as we work our way through it with his help. And the nation of Israel was having trouble and thought that God had forsaken them. Let me just tell you, God has not forsaken you. And he hadn't forsaken them. He said, I will never, what, leave you nor forsake you. In the midst of all that we're facing, you may feel like God has forsaken or forgotten you. You may feel alone. And you wonder if you're ever going to get the relief that you're searching for. But He's there. He's absolutely there. God has not forgotten. He knows everything that's taken place in our lives. And the key to overcoming and finding the strength to get through it is our trust in Him. Go to Psalm chapter 46, if you would. Back a few chapters, Psalm chapter 46. Verse 
Look at verse 8. It says, Come, see the works of the Lord who brings devastation on the earth. He makes war cease throughout the earth. He shatters bows and cuts spears to pieces. He burns up the chariots. Stop right there. Is that not a powerful God? I mean, think about that. He burns up chariots. I mean, you, you come at me with all you got. It's nothing. Just bring everything you got. You're not going to get anywhere. He's that powerful. And here's what he says in verse 10. Stop your fighting and know that I am God. Exalted among the nations. Exalted on the earth. And then, says Yahweh of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. And what had he just said back there in Isaiah 28? Jacob, why do you say? And Israel, why do you assert? He said, let me remind you how powerful I am. That is awesome. Turn back to 1 Kings, just for a moment. 1 Kings chapter 12, I'm, I'm sorry, 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. I love this. I've read this a thousand times in my lifetime. Maybe you have as well. But, but this is really cool. I want to read these verses. Verses 1 through 13. Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, May the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life the, like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then there's Elijah, this great man. And yet, look at verse 3, Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. You ever felt like doing that? I don't like the circumstances I'm fearful of how it's going to unfold. I would really like to just take off, but the problem is you can't take off. you got to face the, face the music here. Verse 4. But he went on a day's journey into the wilderness and sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. I'd say he's just a little bit discouraged, maybe even a little bit depressed, right? I mean, I don't know how many of us often pray to die. I mean, I think he's feeling a little bit low at the moment. He said, then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. Suddenly the, an angel touched him. The angel told him, get up and eat. Then he looked and there, is, there at his head was a loaf of bread baked over the stone, over hot stones and a jug of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord returned for a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat or the journey will be too much for you. What is he telling him right here? You still have some stuff you're going to face. Let me just tell you, have you ever felt like you went through one difficult time only to face another? God has things for us to go through. He says, if you don't get up, get moving, and eat, and be nourished, you're not going to have the strength to go through what's going to happen. So he got up and drank. Then on the strength, uh, from, then on the strength from that food, he waked, walked 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. He entered a cave there and spent the night. Then the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are looking for me to take my life. Stop right there for a moment. Here he is. I think he's got a little bit of depression going on. He's got a little bit of an inward focus going on. He thinks he's all alone by himself. I mean, I, I alone am left. 
You ever felt like when you're going through a difficult time that you're the only one going through it? I mean, because seemingly no one else is picking up what you're laying down, right? And they just don't get it. And you feel alone and you feel like you can't talk to anyone. You just want to get out of there. Pretend it's not taking place. And that's where Elijah's at. Verse 11, then he said, go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. At that moment, the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. As I was reading through this, to me this really came alive and it was vivid for a moment. God was not in the windstorm. I mean, you saw his wrath. You saw his power. You saw everything that he was capable of doing. And the cliffs were being torn apart by the wind. But he says there in his text, God was not in the wind. And then it says there was a fire, but God was not in the fire. Then there was an earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. But then the still voice, the whisper of God, is what got his attention. You see, God was in the stillness. What does that passage teach us and imply to us? Sometimes we need to just stop worrying and rest. God was not in all the commotion. He wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. It was in the stillness of his voice that God spoke. Sometimes we just need to stop and rest. Stop. That's why he says back in Psalm 46, stop the fighting. Stop the chaos. Just stop. And you know what that implies? It, it presupposes this. It presupposes the fact that you're part of the commotion. And you need to stop. You ever met people who just bring drama into their life on purpose? Life is about drama. Life is just about the next thing that's happening. It's always one drama after another drama after another drama. It just doesn't stop. And he's saying, stop. One more passage. Second Corinthians chapter twelve. Second Corinthians chapter twelve and verse verses one through ten. Boasting is necessary. It is not profitable, but I will move on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who was caught up in the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. I know that this man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows it was caught up in the paradise. He heard inexpressible words, which a man is not allowed to speak. I will boast about this person, but not about myself, except of my weaknesses. It says, for if I want to boast, I will not be a fool, 
because I will be telling the truth. But I will spare you so that no one can credit me with something beyond what he sees in me or hears from me, especially because of the extraordinary revelations. Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me so I would not exalt myself. And concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Therefore I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, catastrophes, persecutions, and pressures because of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. None of us desires difficult times. None of us wakes up in the morning and say, God, give me a really hard day today. No, none of us does that. If you do, you're a little bit odd. We pray for the opposite. We do. I've said this many times. We pray for God's blessing on today. And even though we don't tell God what the blessing is, we really have a mindset of what we want it to be. We don't want any problems. We don't want any struggles. We want everybody to like us. We don't want to be distracted from what we have to get done. We want a perfect day. And God says, nah, that's not going to happen. None of us desires hard times. But it's in the midst of hard times that God shows himself strong. In fact, even Paul, three times, he says, Lord, would you take it away? God, please take it away. God, would you just cause it to be gone? Three times he prays at this thorn in the flesh. And God says, nope. There's a reason I'm giving it to you. And that reminds us and teaches us that in every hardship, in every trial, every circumstance that we face, God has a reason. You have to believe that God is so powerful. He is so awesome that if he didn't want you to face the struggle, he wouldn't allow you to face the struggle. Right? If God is powerful and we know that he is, he could say, no, I don't want that to happen to that person in, the, in their life. No, nope, I'm just going to kind of cause it to go away. But he doesn't. Because there's things that we need to learn from it. There's things that he's trying to do in our lives to teach us to wait on him. But he says, my grace is sufficient. You know what that reminds me? Is it says this, that no matter what the struggle, no matter what the trial, no matter what's taking place, God's going to get me through it. He's going to get me through it. It may not be in my time. I mean, Paul wanted it gone right now, ASAP. And he said, no. I have for you to go through this. And by the way, I know you, Paul. I know everything you've been through. You'd get the big head if you didn't have this. Just so that you wouldn't get too proud. This guy's going to keep you humble. He knows what we need. He knows exactly what we need. And he makes no mistakes. So in conclusion, in times of weariness, in times of depletion, in times of weakness, both physically and mentally, we need to do four things. From Matthew 11, we find our rest in the Lord. Remember, rest is not the absence of work. It's not. Because we can't please everyone else. We need to find our rest in Him. Work on being focused on what He has for us. 
find our rest in the Lord. Number two, from Isaiah 40, we need to trust in the Lord and wait on Him. Trust Him. That's what he says in verse 31. But they that trust in the Lord will renew their strength. Put your trust in Him. He has a reason. He has a plan. He wants me to trust Him through it all. Number three, we learn from Psalm 46 and 2 Kings that we need to take a break from the chaos. So stop the fighting. He's not in the earthquake. He's not in the wind. He's not in the fire. He's in the stillness. Stop the chaos. There are times that we need to just stop and pray and rest in Him. And then number four, we rest in God's grace because His grace is sufficient. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Find our rest in Him. Trust and wait in the Lord. Take a break from the chaos and rest in God's grace what he has for us you want to get through each day make these things your priority because if we don't do these things it just creates more chaos more unrest more tiredness more frustration and god really has given us a plan to get back in line with him